0: listening to Miller and Moulton exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton.
1: Hour number two of Miller and Moulton on this final Thursday of February. Thanks so much for being with us. Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com We'll talk football in about 35 minutes with Dalton Miller of Pro Football Network. Joe Sagaki in an hour. The Canes, a top 15 basketball team, first place in the ACC. Thank you very much. And then we even have a guest in the bonus hour. Some big news coming out of Southwest Florida yesterday. The Shark Shootout is no more, and instead, the PJ Tour and the LPJ Tours getting together with a joint announcement. They're going to turn that little shindig that they play in early December. Into a PGA LPGA team event. And they're going to enlarge the field also. They've always had 24 golfers in that little golf outing in Naples. Now they're going to have 32. So we'll talk to the tournament director, Rob Hartman, in a couple hours about that.
0: And, you know, the old QB shootout had something going for it, which both Live Golf and the PGA Tour are doing now. Guaranteed purses. It's why this tournament's always been a big hit to those that are invited. I mean, last place used to be $36,000 or something like that. I mean, that was last place. Correct. Four days at the Ritz in Naples, last place you get thirty-six grand.
1: I think it was even more than that. I, you're
0: probably okay. right.
1: But, it yes, it's okay in the silly season. It's just not okay during the season.
0: But I think they'll end up with a very nice field.
1: I do as well. Well, first off, the LPGA tour is thrilled. Of course I mean, they the are. Fe- the female golfers are thrilled because also of what it says. Okay, really? So the men the men want to play with us. They actually think this is worthwhile. Wow. That I mean, let's face it. It 1999, is the last time they did this. The LPGA tour has been told by the PGA tour for a generation now. Hmm, now nah, we're good.
0: And The other part of this, and as we, you know, all sports are trying it, and they're going to have equal pay in this tournament.
1: Mm -hmm. Four million bucks split up among 16 teams. Do the math. I don't know. Seems like it's, you know, worthwhile. It's three days of golf in Naples, early December. I mean, two weeks before Christmas, a little spending money. I don't know. Weather's usually pretty good that time of year.
0: I'm excited because I think the tournament needed a, a a little shot in the arm. And I think this does it. I think this adds a new element that'll be fun for fans. I, I don't know how much more it gets watched, but I think from, you know, I don't know how many more people they can even put in there because it does pretty well attendance-wise. But I thought this was a nice shot in the arm for the tournament, particularly because some of the men they'll get now. I mean, Tony Fina and Ricky Fowler jumping right up and coming in. Those are... Pretty big names in the sport.
1: Tiger's event is the week before. Okay. So that I could see where they won't necessarily get everybody that they want because Tiger will have commandeered, you know, a group of 12 to go to his, what the the hero world challenge or something like that the week before in Orlando. Now, maybe if they get somebody who goes to that, they just get them back. Come on. What's one more week. You know,
0: what's one more free paycheck. Yeah. In a nice I mean, hotel.
1: On. You know, get on the private plane. I think it's 32 minutes from Orlando to Naples. Come on. It just what do you say? But we'll see. Um, we were sent this t- DM tweet. I don't know what it was. Anyway, it took me a day to find it. Remember, we were talking on Monday about the college football rule changes with the clock that are being proposed. Yep. And we both said, well, come on, they're never going to go to the essentially the soccer clock in which even after incomplete passes, once they reset the ball, that they'll start running the clock again. We're like, come on, they're never going to do that. Well, John sent us a factoid. He said um, college lacrosse had a problem about 10, 15 years ago the matches took way too long because apparently they played uh 15 minute quarters. Okay. But the clock, but the clock stopped all the time, all the time. And so the fifth, it would just take forever. Even though there's only 15 minutes up on the board, same with football, 15 minutes on the board, the quarter could take an hour. College lacrosse experimented with going to a 22 minute running clock for non-conference games, apparently in college lacrosse. And according to him, he said, dramatically improved the game, all right? Clock doesn't stop for anything. Once it starts, 22 minutes, it's like soccer. It just keeps going, okay? Even when they score a goal and they celebrate, the clock's still going. And in his opinion, Dramatically improved the game. The players got smarter. The tempo dramatically increased. Scoring went up. I mean, if the clock shows 18 seconds, you only got 18 seconds. And he said the other thing, the time of games dramatically reduced. He said like an hour less time to play a college lacrosse match. Now, he said this was non-conference games, and they did it. I don't think they do this in their regular – like when I watch the NCAA tournament lacrosse, I don't see the soccer clock. I see the clock stopping, but he also said attendance went up dramatically with, you know, shorter games and more people willing to, you know, I'll invest two hours. I'm not investing three.
0: Well, I think that little point that you made, David, is the one – Part of this, because I know where you're going with it, is to see if something like this would ever occur in football. The attendance thing intrigues me. Because college football has an attendance problem, and they're going to continue to have one. It's tough when you look at the top schools and what the ticket demands are for the Georgias, the Alabamas, but start looking at the middle of the rung schools, the lower rung schools. They're having attendance problems. And... Does length of game equate to why the attendance problems are there? You've pointed out that it has, at least with the students.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's the number one problem in college football attendance is that first on campus, they can't get the students. And even though they don't make as much money on the students, also think about it. Why do you want the students? Because then in theory, you're doing what? You're building in your next generation of fans. You want them at the games. You want them invested. Remember Nick Saban a couple of years ago publicly scolding the students? Basically, you know what? The product's not good enough for you? And then when the students were walking out in the fourth quarter, he basically said, here's the deal. Okay, if you come, you stay for the whole game. Otherwise, don't come. <laughs> and, and Nick, I don't listen. know what to tell
0: you. I'm not on an NIL. <laughs> but they listen. I know.
1: I don't want to say he's got – they don't listen to their parents. They don't listen to their teachers. Hell, they don't listen to their boyfriend or girlfriend. Nick Saban threatens them from afar. We can't leave. Why? Nick will kill us.
0: Every professor at Alabama was going, can we get Nick to come in class and just talk? Can we get something on tape that says you've got to stay for the entire class and you have to show up for all the classes? You know why? Because Nick said so.
1: (laughs) I don't want to say he's powerful or anything. He publicly scolded the students. And the students, I mean, honestly, the president of the United States, and I'm not just talking this one, I'm talking any of them, could say to the students, uh, Come on, you must do this. And the students would be like, Ah, blah, 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 blah.
0: blank you.
1: Right. Give me a break. <laughs> Nick Saban says, Here's the deal. If you come, you stay for the whole game. Yes, sir. Yes, coach. Got it. And just so you know, the students at Alabama, they're the first ones in. Like, they have to get their spots. So there you are 90 minutes before kickoff. In fact, Nick Saban gets there two hours before the game. And he has a pregame ritual in which he comes out the end zone and he walks straight down the middle of the field to the other goal line. And then he turns around and he walks back. That's his pregame ritual. And the funny thing is two state troopers accompany him, one on each side. It's it's a spectacular, okay, and so the – on-field reporter knows you just wait at the end zone that he started at because he's going to do his lap down the middle of the field okay and usually as nick's walking to the far side the alabama students are already standing there lined up he gets standing ovation just for breathing for walking for walking for a 200 yard walk right yep and he waves okay and you know more noise you know And then he turns and he walks and he goes back and he does an on-field interview with the sideline reporter. It's two hours before kickoff.
0: And the students are already there.
1: Oh, standing in attention. They're there. They're not even seated. They're standing. It's kind of like we we can't sit till Nick leaves the
0: field. So they tailgate, have to get there two hours early, and have to stay for a four-hour football game, and they get chastised for leaving early. And that's the students' fault. Okay.
1: (laughs) Right. So Nick's Nick for six hours. Nick's got him. For six hours he's got him.
0: You know which booze Angel. you have to sneak in to keep a buzz <laughs> for I six know. hours.
1: You think how early you have to start? Remember, those are if it's a CBS game, it's two thirty. So you're in, you're standing there at twelve thirty local time. Got to start early. Got to admit though, I mean you could damn near bring a cooler into Bryant-Denny Stadium. I mean, it's, it's you know, uh, Mississippi State's the most lax security I've ever seen. I, I mean, I have to admit. That's like going through Newark Airport. I mean, well, you, you could you could bring in a gun.
0: Tiger okay? Stadium in LSU was not much better, David. <laughs> you know, th- they're actually handing you flasks as you walk in there.
1: <laughs> well, you also were there for the Alabama game. I mean, let's face it.
0: There know. were no rules that day.
1: But- I got 150,000 people in the parking lot. We're just trying to keep it to about 92 in the stadium. You know, we don't care which 92. Uh, How about hops with a cheap shot in our Twitch chat room? I'd give Moulton a standing ovation for a 200-yard walk. I resemble that remark.
0: But not the four-foot, not the 10-foot dash. Because that he's got cold. If there's a foul ball with an 8, 10 feet, get out of his way. He's coming hard. He's coming fast. And he's got a low center of gravity. So just get out of the damn way.
1: I'm like those shot putters, man. And that little circle there, I am dangerous.
0: Miller and Moulton. The text line's open at 21,000. A running clock.
1: Just a... It just pointed out to us in other in another college sport, they went to the running clock with tremendous results. Okay. Interesting. I don't think we're there yet, but that's interesting. Miller and Moulton, thanks for listening. Florida Sports Network.
0: Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network.
1: 21 minutes past the hour, top of the morning to you. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. If you miss any part of the show, you can always download our podcasts, floridasportsnetwork.com. Dalton Miller, profootballnetwork.com will join us. Next segment, Joe Sagaki at the top of the hour. How about them Canes? Seven-game winning streak, top 15 in the country in both polls. First place in the ACC. Thank you very much. They went to the Elite Eight last year. Could they go even further this year? We think they're a sleeper Final Four contender. Going to be that 3-4 seed you don't want to play. Couldn't you see it, Mark? Like, there were four and... If you're a one seed, you get the Canes in the Sweet 16. That is not going to be a fun day.
0: No. No, we've talked about it. They can score. They've got really good guard play. You see them get a, get a Houston? Totally. In that Sweet 16 game? Houston, which struggles to score, and I know they're great defensively,
1: but veteran backcourt with the Canes, and they can score on anybody. I'm telling you, you heard it here first. That's a sleeper Final Four team. The Miami Hurricanes, voice of the Canes, Joseph Gacky, to join us coming up in 40 minutes. Listen, I left something out of the starting five that I probably shouldn't have. Did you see the news about Matt Patricia? getting the? He in... Yeah. He interviewed for the Broncos defensive coordinator position. Now, I just saw that he interviewed. Okay, that he has not been hired, that he's one of the three finalists. It's him, Vance Joseph, and Rex Ryan. But there's also a lot of reporting that went on late yesterday that Patricia better get this job because the thought is in New England, he's going to be out of work because, well, the Lions have been paying Patricia this whole time that he's been in New England. And now the Detroit money has run out. And that bill may just be done with him, So that Matt may really need this gig. You know, Rex can always stay at ESPN. I don't know about Vance Joseph. I don't know where, although I, he's getting paid by somebody. I know that. But just thought that was interesting. A, Sean Payton interviewing him for the defensive coordinator position. After he was the offensive coordinator. Well, thank goodness
0: Uh, he wasn't interviewing him for that job because we all know he can't do it. (laughs) I mean that you know Bill wants to get rid of him. Bill hired him for the wrong damn job.
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, Mac Jones doesn't know what was going on in New England last year. Patriot fans don't know what was going on in New England last year. It just the whole thing didn't make sense. No,
0: the latest Bill experiment didn't make sense to any of us. It really didn't. I mean. You know, I, I know he's the mad scientist, and he can he can do anything with any roster and make more out of it than most teams can. But maybe he can't put the square peg in the round hole when it comes to coaches because he put Patricia on the other side of the ball and they were a mess last year.
1: So I saw that he interviewed. I did not see that he was hired, um, and I'm looking for reports. But it looks like that's the final three for the defensive coordinator job in Denver. If you were Rex Ryan, by the way, you're 60. Would you leave the Cush ESPN gig that I'm pretty sure is paying you seven figures?
0: I wouldn't, but I'm not a coach with that mentality. I mean, I'm a guy who loves the easy money any way possible. <laughs> not going to lie. I think everybody's figured that out by now. Even These, if you have to wear makeup? Oh, I have no problem with makeup.
1: Okay. I mean, I don't so want to look like a clown, in.
0: but I, makeup, no problem. We've talked about this before. Coaches are, they, they are a different breed. Yes. You know, I've gotten to know a lot more of them. Thanks to Pat Kerwin going to a few of the minor league hockey games, and he always brings a coach or two with him. And I—and they are just all cut from a different cloth. they They have an energy level most that is unmatched, and all of them, And you know this, David. Coaches are not different than players in this regard. It's one thing that Rex gets to kind of get his locker room, if you will, with the guys and kick it around, and he's among a team. But it's not a football team. And it's not the same as in the locker room. And it's not the same type of drive. So they're made differently. I would never do it. I love the cushy job he's got. But I think, one, why is he in that job? He got fired. They all want another shot to prove that they were right and that they know how to do it best.
1: Tell you what, it'd be a huge coup for Patricia, though. I mean, if you think about it, because he now is branded as he's just a Belichick guy. And let's face it, outside of Belichick, none of them have had any success as a head coach. And they've had a lot less success as coordinators elsewhere, too. I mean, Romeo Cornell had success elsewhere, but... You know, for the most part, I mean, you know, Charlie Weiss's greatest success was as offense coordinator in New England. He was at a bunch of other places. I mean, outside of inheriting, when he inherited the talent he inherited at Notre Dame, he had two good years. But when he had to produce it on his own, he couldn't. Kansas was an unmitigated disaster. One year as OC at Florida. I mean, Charlie's greatest success, I think you could say, was as offense coordinator in New England. And so in theory, for a chance to, first off, I mean, wow. Sean Payton thought highly enough of you to hire you? I, I think that raised a few eyebrows around the league because he's damaged goods right now. And then if he has some success, maybe he has got gets another chance down the road. But that's an interesting trio. Rex Ryan, Matt Patricia. Vance Joseph. Apparently one of them is going to be the new defense coordinator in Denver. And let's face it, you're going to have full control of the defense. I mean, that's like Fangio in Miami. I mean, Mike McDaniel's going to be like, tell me when you guys are done.
0: Do you think Rex is coming back? Do you think he's going to get hired? I don't. I think he doesn't get the job.
1: I don't think he gets it either, but the fact that he interviewed Patricia after interviewing Vance Joseph and Rex Ryan tells me that if I was Vance Joseph or Rex Ryan, this interview yesterday with Patricia would bother me.
0: So. It's almost as if they didn't like what they had, and they're going, they're still looking to find. You know, it's when right. Tampa went through forty-seven guys; they never found anything they liked. They just kept interviewing, interviewing, interviewing and finally settled on the, the guy they settled on there from Seattle. But um, a shorter list, but when you start digging deeper, that usually doesn't bode well for the first couple of candidates.
1: So we'll see if Matt Patricia is
0: clutch. Time now for our Clutch Vodka Play of the Day. Felipe, what do you have for us today?
2: Crimson Tide freshman forward Brandon Miller heard all the noise heading into South Carolina last night. He would end up finishing the game with 41 points, eight rebounds, three steals, two blocks, He had a game-tying layup to send it to overtime and then hit a game-winning layup to win it in overtime. Brandon Miller has it in his hands as he gets the ball into the front court. Miller directing traffic 11, 10, 9. Brandon at 8, still with it at 7. At 6, Brandon at 5, at 4, at 3, at 2 for the win. It is good! Let's get out of here! Point 8 to go! He had six three-pointers in that game also.
0: 41 total. Miller with the game winning layup in overtime as the Crimson Tide beat South Carolina last night by a deuce. That's our clutch vodka play of the day. That's clutch with a K. Go to clutchspirits.com and hashtag all your drinks on social media with the hashtag clutchspirits. That courtesy of the Alabama radio network. Let's get out of here. Let's go have a snack. It was just, that was close to that. That's what that play-by-play was going. What's, what? I got my post-game order on the bus. Where's my pizza? That was supposed to be here before overtime.
1: Uh, 41 for Brandon Miller. Alabama survives the road in conference at South Carolina by two. We'll talk college hoops with Joe Sagaki in a half an hour, at least Miami Hurricanes college hoops. But coming up next... It's our weekly visit with someone from profootballnetwork.com. It'll be Dalton Miller on this Thursday.
0: That's coming up. Joe Zygacki, and we'll talk some golf in the bonus hour as well. Thanks for listening. Miller and Moulton right here on the Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network.
1: 22 minutes before the hour, Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com, Joe Sagaki, the voice of the Canes, to join us at the top of the hour. It is always football season, this day and time of the week. We talk football with the good folks at ProFootballNetwork.com. Dalton Miller, kind enough to join us on this Thursday. Lead football analyst for Pro Football Network, ProFootballNetwork.com. Follow Dalton on Twitter. Dalton, the letter B, Miller. Dalton, B, Miller. Dalton, it's David and Mark. Thanks for your time. Did you interrupt vacation to do this? I'm following you on Twitter. Okay, you've got beautiful scenery from just a few hours ago. You didn't stop your vacation for this, did you?
2: No, so I took that picture um, on Monday when we took a walk. That is actually, I, I live in Portugal, so that is uh, the, the scenery that I get. Um, but last week, last week I was kind of on a, a little mini vacation. I was still working throughout the week and throughout the Super Bowl, but we had some friends fly uh, over here for the first time, and uh, we got to do a little traveling last week, so that was fun.
0: Okay. All right, how does a Sunday – I'm just curious now. You threw me on a tangent. How does a Sunday go for you in Portugal trying to get all the NFL in? Is it is it a long nap to get ready for the 6 o'clock kickoffs?
2: It is a very long nap to get ready for the 6, six o'clock kickoff and then a very, very long night for me. Um, while everybody else in the, the country of Portugal is sleeping, I am still awake watching football, yep.
1: Well, you're invested heavily in the draft. Um, what is it that you've seen here recently that kind of raised your eyebrows, either in a good or bad way?
2: Um, I'm, I'm still really interested in the quarterback conversation. Obviously, quarterbacks kind of dominate any draft cycle. Um, and this is a, a really good one. Um, I think that you have really two really good – and kind of safe options at the top. I know some people will be concerned with Bryce Young's size, and that is obviously a a fine concern to have, especially because, you know, on top of of being short or on the shorter side, he is also not a very big quarterback either. So I I do think that the concerns there are somewhat, um, you know, okay to have. But I, I think that we're starting to come around a little bit on Anthony Richardson. Um, I think people are starting to figure out that the conversation between him and Will Levis should not really be a conversation at this point. Um, I think that Anthony Richardson is kind of clearly the better prospect. Um, and that doesn't mean that he'll be the better pro all of the time, you know, with these guys in the top half of the first round and as first round quarterbacks, you're going to hit about 50% of the time. So you can pretty much cue two of these guys to be a success at the next level and two of them not to be. But at this point, if I have to, to bet on one of those guys, it, it would definitely be AR-15.
0: And as you know, two guys here in Florida that watched him a lot in the last year, I'm one guy that wouldn't touch him, Dalton. What is it about Miller that intrigues you the most?
2: Yeah, so with... Or, with uh,
0: Richardson, rather, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, with, with Richardson, I think for me, it's that we've seen this before. We've seen the exact kind of track with a guy like josh allen with ar and i think that he still needs to get more seasoning i think that he has a long way to go you know with his lower half but i think mentally you can see the process is going through you can see him figuring it out on the go as he gets more reps and as a first-year starter not having many college reps that's where i kind of go with him you can see the flashes. Of consistent processing doesn't happen all the time, but he's getting there. I think that he wants to be a pocket quarterback who also has freakish athletic ability. And I think with these young guys, especially these days, with the new CBA that was signed in 20, 2007, 2008, these pocket passer types, and that's not where Will Levis is either, but the pocket passer types just don't really exist anymore because they don't have enough time on task. They don't get the reps that they need to become the Drew Breeses and Tom Brady's and and Matt Ryan's anymore. They, They don't get those reps in the off season because there's not enough practice time. So you need to be able to pick up third downs with your legs early in your career. And that's exactly what Anthony Richardson can do. I think that he can do that at a higher level than somebody like Will Levis. I actually think that he's kind of a mix as a runner between Justin Fields and Josh Allen. And that's a freaky thing to think about because he is as, about as big as Josh Allen, and that's not to say that Justin Fields is a small guy, but he runs with the physicality of Justin Fields a little bit. He doesn't invite contact quite as much as Justin or as, as Josh Allen does, and that's less concerning. Um, but I, I think that he has really good uh, horizontal quickness as well. He can make guys miss. He's really, really shaky. Um, and I just think overall he would be the third quarterback that i take but he would be the third quarterback that I think. And, and if I'm to GM in the top 10, that's the guy I would bet on over somebody like Levis.
1: He's Dalton Miller, lead analyst for Pro Football Network, profootballnetwork.com. Follow Dalton on Twitter, Dalton the letter B Miller, Dalton B Miller. Are you, th- when you look at him, you know, if I'm the GM and I call you, are you thinking I got to play this guy right away because he didn't get a ton of snaps? and he needs work or are you thinking listen i like him as a prospect but i do not think you should throw him in right away cuz you know if you compare him to Josh Allen the bills threw him in right away he took 2 years mm-hmm. of snaps and he was pretty mediocre but he got the work in you know or are you thinking like what the chiefs did with Mahomes which was yeah you're going to sit behind a veteran and you're going to learn for a year and then it's your show
2: yeah, it's, it's always a difficult discussion, but I think with the type of player that he is, it's different from a guy like Malik Willis last year who obviously from the mental side of things he just needed to figure it out sitting behind somebody else. He obviously was not ready from the mental side of things. I think just like Josh Allen, a lot of the issues we see with Anthony Richardson are mechanical, and I think that takes time on task doing it in live fire Uh, to be able to figure out. So I do think he's a guy that you would want to start early. And I also think the one thing that we didn't see a lot from Josh Allen early on were the design runs. I think a place, you know, like Shane Steichen in in Indianapolis, um, if they sit at number four, would be a decent spot for Anthony Richardson to go. But I think you have to let him be an athlete early on. You have to let him kind of like, uh, Brian Babel and Mike Kafka did with Daniel Jones this year. Listen, if your first and second read aren't there, tuck it and run. You have the athleticism to do it. Let him get that time on task, and I, I think that that's probably the best way to go with him personally.
0: How many quarterbacks do you see going in the top 10, then? Do you see all four of these guys going that early, Dalton?
2: I see three of them going in the top 10, or I hope that three of them go in the top 10. I hope that it takes a little bit of time for Will Levis to get taken in. That's not to say that I don't think Will Levis can be a successful NFL quarterback. I, I do. I just don't think he's nearly at the level of the other guys. I don't think that that Kentucky offense did him a lot of favors. Didn't really ask him to go out and be a professional quarterback. And when you see teams, you know, at the lower level of the SEC or you see, you know, uh, FCS teams, you'll see offenses that are built a battle against better competition, and that's exactly what the Kentucky team was trying to do offensively. There are flashes of, of him being a playmaker, but for me, I, I kind of see him as, you know, a Ryan Tannehill with a better arm. I don't see him ever being a guy who is going to be a, a just a, a, a facilitator throughout the field from sideline to sideline. I think that he's a guy who's going to have to kind of live off of play action hitting those levels, you know, underneath safeties and behind linebackers, but trying to make the job easy for him early on, I think is going to be huge for his success early.
1: Tannehill, I believe, was the third quarterback taken in his draft, and he was taken, I believe, ninth overall. Okay, you're not recommending Levis, who would be the fourth quarterback taken in your ideal draft. Uh, Tennessee's at 11, Houston's at 12. Okay, do you think that you know cuz in theory if either one of those teams are drafting him there they're drafting him and saying hey you're you're the answer at quarterback it doesn't sound dalton like you think he's the answer you think he's an interesting prospect
2: Yes, that's, that's kind of exactly how I look at it. And I am, I'm a pretty strict grader when it comes to quarterbacks. So like even Anthony Richardson for me, will have a second round grade. I go by a numerical system and what the numbers tell me I go with. Um, So even AR is a second round guy for me, but because of what I see from him physically, if I'm a general manager, I would take that risk. I just don't see that on the field with Levis as often. I think that if you have a good situation around him, you can kind of build and, ice and insulate him a little bit. Um, but I don't know if he's going to be ready right away because I think that there's going to be a big learning curve for him. And, you know, a place like Tennessee at 11, if he's able to actually sit behind Ryan Tannehill for a year, if they, if they keep him around, I think that that could be a spot for him. Um, I, I would like to see him sit for a year. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see how high he gets taken because all you know, all season and, and at the start of the offseason, season, we kind of heard that he might be, you know, even the first quarterback taken. And I think that you're going to get a GM fired if that's the case, and the coach is probably going to get fired too. Um, but yeah, he's for me, he's just not the guy.
1: Mark, I wonder could he be the one that falls to the middle of the first round, and will he be there for Detroit at 18? I mean, think about it. Could sit behind golf, but give them a much cheaper alternative to golf in 2024 and beyond. Just throwing that out there. You know, if you're a Lions fan, is that actually something you want to see or no?
0: And what do you think Chicago will end up doing? Do you think they'll be able to move out of that number one spot? Will there be enough there for someone wanting Stroud or Bryce Young?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be something there. Um, I don't know who it'll be. I, I would imagine Indianapolis is, is going to try to make a move to get up to number one. Um, I mean, We've heard rumors about them, you know, moving on or trying to trade fields or you know, taking one of those guys. I, I don't see that happening. I think with the $90 million that you have in free agency, you try to build a team around Justin Fields and see how it goes. And then if you're still bad, you can take one next year. There's always going to be quarterbacks, and if you're bad enough, you can draft one. Um, but I do think a team will will look to move up um, to that first pick, and I think if they're able to move down, still get somebody like Will Anderson um, out of the deal or, or Jalen Carter, it is going to be a, a nice little draft haul uh, for the Chicago Bears who need it. Can you help
1: me with Will Anderson? I watched him a lot the last two years. He was tremendous in 2021. He was blocked a lot of the time last year. I mean, he really was. His big games were against like freshmen at Texas A&M and I, I mean I, I if it came down to me between Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, I think Will Anderson's a solid pro. I think Jalen Carter has the potential to go to Canton. Am I crazy?
2: Uh, you're not crazy, so I have kind of a rule with defensive tackles. We've seen this before. It, it, I was actually just just writing about you know some of the the top you know, defensive tackles in the NFL, and it's just it's kind of a really hard position to transfer from the college level to the NFL level. And I don't think that we give that credit enough because a lot of the best defensive tackles we see it's taken them three or four years. Look at Quentin Williams, for instance, where it took him three and a half four years to actually get going vita vea has kind of been on and off throughout his career it takes time because it's a much more mental position than people give it credit for and a guy like Jalen carter between him and will anderson i think will anderson you see the traits you see the pass rush repertoire that he has you see what he's able to do on the edge Jalen carter is a freak athlete he's an absolute monster but a lot of what he does is kind of just based off his athleticism And he's not going to be able to win just in that way at the NFL level. He's going to have to learn how to become a pass rusher. I think taking Jalen Carter in the top five is absolutely fine, but I do think that his transition to the NFL is going to be more difficult than it will be for Will Anderson. It's just it comes down to what you have to deal with. And on the interior, you have a center, you have two guards, and on the outside, you have an offensive tackle, and sometimes you get to rush against the tight end. He's rushing against the tight end. You're going to win. Um, so it's just a little bit more difficult for those interior guys. For me, it all comes down to what the team needs. If the team needs a defensive tackle and you really, really believe that that kid's going to Canton, you absolutely draft him over Will Anderson. Even if you think Will Anderson is, is ready more today to play in the NFL, if you think that the kid's going to be a Hall of Famer, you absolutely draft him. He's Dalton Miller. He's a lead
1: football analyst for ProFootballNetwork.com. Follow him on Twitter, Dalton B. Miller. Dalton, the letter B. Miller. Dalton, thanks for making time for us. We appreciate it. Hopefully, we can do this again before the draft. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Dalton Miller, kind enough to join us here on Miller & Moulton.
0: From Portugal. How about that? I'm jealous. It's where I want to be doing the show from.
1: I will say you should check him out on Twitter, the pictures. All right.
0: Doesn't suck. The views don't suck. That's all I'm saying. And you know how good the food is? Oh, my (laughs) goodness, David.
1: (laughs) Uh, Miller and Moulton. Well, we go from Portugal to Miami. The voice of the Canes, Joe Sagaki. With a top 15 basketball team that he's broadcasting these days. They've won seven in a row. Catch up with Joe on the other side. Miller and Moulton, thanks so much for being with us, Florida Sports Network.